great future. We're talking real money. It seems like almost every day we're here doing a podcast for you, and that's because almost every single day we're here doing a podcast for you on the most important part of your life. Seriously, day in and day out, other stuff may rise to the top once in a while, but Day in and day out, the thing you deal with more than anything else is money. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about investing money, how to build the right portfolio, how to save for your retirement, how to create retirement income. You know, you ask us the 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 question, the, the perpetual question, I have some money, what should I do with it? We get a lot of that. But one topic we don't discuss a lot is how you keep from spending as much money so that you can have more to put away for the long haul. And it, 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 this came about because a f- couple of months ago, I was finally got around to going through my insurance. Uh, been, been with USAA since the beginning of time, and I went through my insurance, and I called, and, ca- called around and got quotes. And I was, I, I was stunned. I was stunned speechless almost. Almost. Not really. That would take more than this. That's for sure. There's an act of Congress, maybe a world war, something. I was stunned. I thought all these insurance companies were pretty competitive. Uh Uh-uh. I saved, literally like the commercials, I saved not hundreds, I saved thousands on my insurance. Thousands. So recently, Tom was talking about his insurance, which was also with USAA, and I said, call around. And it was kind of shocking because I didn't believe you, right? I kind of said, no, yeah, you did not yeah, believe yeah, me. Whatever, no, ah, sure, whatever. You rarely believe me. <laughs> well, there's that. But still, in this case, because people always say, I saved a lot of money on my car insurance, or at least one commercial does. So I was skeptical. Let's just put it that way. I went through the same process that you just mentioned. And literally, I'm paying now half as much as I would. No offense to USAA, <laughs> very fine company. I know. I'm paying half. I'm not going to mention the one I end up going with, but it's half as much. I mean, it's like it's a commodity as long as they're going to pay the claim, whatever. And I don't call us and tell us they're not going to because don't. Well, that okay. The, re- but, the reality is we, we, we go through more of life without claims than life with claims. Well, it's there for an true. emergency. It's, bull and bear markets but okay but what it brought to mind was still again this is something we mentioned last year at the outbreak of the crisis kind of you know you need to you need to make sure you're looking at all your expenses rather than just the investing part i don't think many of us do this very often Mm -hmm. because we have a tendency to sort of go along i'm paying this i'm paying that i don't really think too much about it so I kind of stepped back and looked at my whole situation again. I recommend this, that you check your costs. Wow, every six to nine months, like insurance, phone, TV. I mean, there's one where the things sort of seem to stack up, right? They're like, oh, oh my I got gosh, Netflix. And yeah. I got, for me, I got cable and I got what Amazon Prime, I guess, is free. I can't keep track of If all you things, kill the stupid cable, you'd save a fortune. Then I would miss a soccer game from Uruguay. I really had to see in the middle of the night when never no anyway. So I, it would be tragic for there's, me. There's That's no there's a, no Uruguayan soccer streaming I service. Probably pro- <laughs> probably, probably it's a good point. But the big picture is these are things that should always be checked. And then you can sometimes plug this into a little 
uh, algorithm, if you will, a little mm-hmm. equation that, I, that Liz Weston just got done talking about recently, somebody's work I think you can trust, about how much spending should be where. Now, Don already poo-pooed this, so don't feel bad if your spending I poo- doesn't I poo-poo work into this lots budget. of things. Yeah, that's true. She thinks you should be the 50-30-20 rule. 50% of your after-tax money should be going into the essentials, shelter, utilities, food, or maybe in my case, it's food, shelter, utilities. I don't know. So, it'd be, it, but soccer, food. You gotta have. You gotta have those. Things. Soccer is on the other side of the equation for me. That brings money in. Thirty percent, she said, should go to the not so essential things: dining out, vacation, stuff like that. And twenty percent should be either in, into savings or into paying down debt if you have debt. Fifty, thirty, twenty. I think that's very reasonable. Yeah, unless, and here my unless, three, take, yeah. unless you're an underpaid millennial and you're going, yeah, where I am I going to come up with 20% of my income yeah, okay. to save? Then, make, then start with five. Start with something, by the way. I still think for anybody just beginning work, start saving something because it gets the habit. But here are the things I think the big picture takeaways from just doing this review are, number one, be flexible. You've talked about this before, that that sometimes your life circumstance change and you cannot longer afford that thing you've had for a while, whether it's a potential uh, cable TV or eating out regularly, which we've all done away with in a lot of ways in the last year, right? That's one thing you should be flexible. Number two, this is another one I see because so many people come in and talk to us and tell us, I'm only spending X a year. Mm-hmm. And then we look at the numbers. We're like, okay, wait a minute. Your gross income's two fifty. You saved thirty thousand. Your taxes were thirty thousand. So now you're at one hundred and ninety. But you're telling us your cost of living is only fifty thousand a year. What? Do you have a major leak here somewhere? You got to be honest with yourself about money. This is one of the the money pipe coming like, into the house is it's, leaking. It's, it's leaking into the ground. <laughs> Patch that up or something, but you got to be honest with yourself because if you're not and you're getting close to retirement, big pain ahead. And then the other one, which I hope is obvious to everyone who listens to this program, and we see it again when we go through tough times, is people have expensive debt that they don't pay when they have the opportunity to. They think, I'll get to that some point. I think anything over, by the way, in today's world, over 5% is probably expensive that you should get rid of, clean it up, loans, credit cards, any of that kind of stuff. Get rid of it. So be flexible, be honest with yourself, and don't carry that expensive debt that can really be a drag over the long haul. It can really be just ruin your financial future. There you go. Uh, one of the things we've been getting a lot of lately, uh, you know, guff, yeah, that, um, tra- taunting, things like that. Yeah, but lots of calls, lots of questions being sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com or called in to 855-935-TALK. The vast majority of our questions, though, get typed in. So what we're going to do today, because we got to get this oh, backlog down. Oh, you going to do this down. again? Yes. You're going to do the, the, yeah, the, the, I the found, artificial voice? I found a better artificial voice service. Ah, okay, good. Oh, okay. my God. It's so much better. Let's, As a matter of fact, let's just do that one first rather than doing the, um, the, the call-in one. This one. Okay, so this is someone who typed a question. You put it into some sort of hypercomputer here. Yeah, yeah, supercomputer. Yeah, yeah. And, and I got the gender and right. Boom. The gender is correct. Now I don't know if Let's the voice just is. Just not even touch that one at well, all. You, but okay, I go gotta ahead. get the gender right. Yeah. All right. Okay. At least I at guess. At birth gender, that gender. I, I mean, I, I guess. Just I think so. I guessed correctly. I'm guessing. Okay. Right. You want it or not? Yeah. Go. Right. Can you explain on your show how bonds work and how you can lose money? 
I thought if you bought a bond, let's say for $100 and it's going to pay 2%, you get $102 at maturity. So why does it matter if the bond price falls if you still get your money? Or if you buy a bond at a discount because the price has fallen you have still locked in what you get paid at maturity so again how do you lose money? Is it different if you are buying a bond fund? There you go. She got yeah, it there at the end. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yes, if you buy a bond that is, uh, I think it was $100. Well, at maturity. get the interest. I mean, you, buy, you buy it at issuance, yep. and they're usually in $1,000 increments. So you put $1,000 in at 2%. You're going to get 1020 back if it's a one-year bond. Yeah, and and well, assuming that the organization that issued the bond has some money to pay you back. This is one of the important parts of who you lend your money to. We believe in lending to the U.S. government because they've always paid you back with the interest due. That is absolutely right. But I don't recommend that. Buying individual bonds is still one of those murky areas where you really don't know how much you're paying the person who is buying the bond for you. It, it, it's complicated. We would prefer, you mentioned at the end of your question, using bond mutual funds. There are great mutual fund companies. I, I pick on Vanguard here because I think they're fantastic. They own thousands of securities in these bond funds. They manage them very carefully. The cost is so very, very low. But, and yes, you're, you, but that value can go down. It's gone go. down over the last year. We just we just talked about this on the show recently because you own bonds where, where they're not worth as much as they were when they were issued because interest rates have gone up and your higher interest rate on a newer bond is worth more to an investor than the old one. It's that makes because sense. the manager of the fund has to what is called mark the fund to the market. So what they have to do is take their entire bond portfolio and go, if I had to sell it today, what would it be worth? That becomes the net asset value of the fund, which is why the value of funds fluctuate, which is why we suggest short to intermediate term bonds because they, one, don't fluctuate as much as longer term bonds in value, but two, they're also turning over, so new bonds are coming into the portfolio, raising your income level, which doesn't happen with individual bonds. And two takeaways for me. Number one, um, what, what you just said is absolutely critical around bond funds. There is someone they're buying new bonds, and oftentimes as rates are going up, if the old bonds are being discounted, new bonds are being purchased with higher interest rates, right? Number two, Vanguard did a wonderful study a number of years ago that looked at how long you have to wait to get your money back if you buy a bond fund. How many years are you sort of underwater? At the longest they could find was like three years, and you're only underwater by a few percentage points. So it's not like stocks where they can go down over 30%. As they did, what, in like six weeks last or whatever? I always forget the number. I mean, it went down it's dramatically. about a month, so yeah. you can't You can't compare the two. There's not even on the same scale. So bonds, yes, I, we, we like bond funds. We like bond ETFs. Again, you buy, you're getting a basket of thousands of securities at a very, very low cost. And now we have a question that came in through TalkingRealMoney.com but was not typed it was actually spoken into the computer. So this is the actual voice of the human being who asked the question, just to make that perfectly clear. I've been clear. waiting for contact. This is a real time. person. Here we go. Okay. Hey, guys. I've been listening to your show for about a year now, and I really appreciate all the information and wisdom you guys have imparted. Um, learned a lot. And actually have um, 
been a long time listener of um, Paul Merriman and, you know, have my portfolio probably very much in line with what you guys would, would recommend for someone um, in their mid forties. I guess my question is, um, I was listening to a couple interviews recently with Jim Rogers and, you know, he sounds like he's a contrarian. He's um, kind of skeptical and in some ways kind of promotes to some extent um, commodities and gold. What I found interesting is that he really believes, you know, what a lot of people are thinking at this time, which is that the U S stock market is overvalued and is, if not in a bubble on its way to a bubble. Um, and maybe for the next, you know, several years, he also seems to believe that the bond market is very much in a bubble. And so for someone like myself, who is, um, about 90% invested in equities, both U S international, and then only recently started um, putting some, some money into bonds with the idea of just kind of hedging for the possibility of a, of a correction or, you know, a bubble popping, um, you know, this guy, Jim Rogers, he talks about commodities and gold. And, and while I've very much not even considered those options based on, you know, information that I had, um, you know, learned from either Paul Merriman or from you guys or from Bogleheads, I'm just curious, like his wisdom with respect to, if you feel as though all equities with exception of maybe Russia or specific emerging markets are overvalued, where do you put new money? Any thoughts you guys have would be helpful. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, I'm going to start with say, first of all, I'm not sure, yeah. I could be wrong, that you should be taking investing advice from the host of a children's show. Uh, Ron just, Rogers. I don't know that. Ron, Ron, Ron Rogers. Mr. Rogers is gone. He's passed on. Too. Oh, okay. Well, this is Jim Rogers. Yeah. Jim Rogers you has. You don't even need to explain who Jim Rogers is. Jim Rogers has be been Rogers, on TV for a very long time yeah. in newspapers, being interviewed as this expert because he once supposedly called 1987 correctly. Maybe. So he said the market was going to lose 25% of its Something value. Something like day. that. I don't oh, know. But no, funny. Mm-hmm. Funny. In ni- January of 1988, he said, quote, 1988. A bear market that is just going to wipe out most people in the financial community, most investors in the world was coming in six months or so. Uh, in 1980, the stock market was up 160%. Okay, setting so, aside or, Mr. From, Rogers. I'm sorry, from 1988 to 1996, it was up 160%. But lo, no, hold on, hold on. This guy... It's better. Oh my gosh. better. Uh, in in let's see what was the date on this article in 2009 he said after the market came back in 2009 yeah. he said the next 10 years we're going to uh, we were going to experience a horrible bear market the next 10 years what happened over the next 10 years tom one of the great bull markets of all time until and spring of 2020, good Lord. Then in interviews over and yeah. over and over again in every subsequent year, he has said the same exact thing that we are in for the biggest bear market in history and that the only place to be is in commodities. All right. Setting aside, I won't defame the previous TV host again. Number one, if you're in your 40s and you're saving for retirement... 
the next big bad bear market matters not. It really doesn't because you're probably buying every two weeks into your 401k or you're making contributions to your IRA, whatever it is. You're hoping, by the way, that the market goes down because you're going to buy more shares at a cheaper price. Um, Number two, it scares the daylights out of me when people say my portfolio is very much aligned with yours. Because we, they people bring them in. I'm like, well, which part of the alignment were you? I mean, this is nothing like it. But if you're listening to Paul's great work and following his website, I'm sure that, yes, you have a distribution around the globe of stocks. And you got some big ones, some small ones, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need a lot of bonds in your 40s. I'd be okay with 10 to 20%, but you should have them there only only to protect you and your emotions when the market goes down. They should have nothing to do with what is next. Rogers doesn't know what's next. Don doesn't know what's next. Tom doesn't know what's next. Your portfolio is built for you. You sound like a smart person. You've gotten some great advice. Buy and hold for the long haul. You're adding money to those securities where they, the, the ones that haven't done as well. So hopefully stocks for you go down. And you're you're buying more of the, I say more of those shares at a cheaper price. But no, I would not take anyone's advice on what is next. I would not especially be moving into gold commodities and whatever else he's recommending uh, because the market's at an all-time high. It has nothing to do with it. And you know, I was looking at some of the commodities numbers for various commodities funds. If you invested as Mr. Rogers suggested. In, we shouldn't say that. In commodities, Jim Rogers, previous. in 2009, yeah. if you put $10,000 in a commodities pool in 2009, by right now in 2021, you would have approximately $10,000 in your portfolio. But you have all that corn waiting for delivery. No, or you didn't even hogs, get to eat right? the corn because you're buying contracts. Oh, okay. You didn't yeah, even yeah. you didn't even execute on them. Uh, it, it's and and at one point, by the way, just to show you how volatile people say, oh well, commodities are safer. Uh no, actually, in uh, mid uh, May, April of 2020, April of 2020, your yeah, ten thousand dollar portfolio yeah. from 2009 would have been mm-hmm. worth about five thousand dollars. And how about the Vanguard total? world stock market fund from 2009 i don't know if it goes back i don't that think far, it goes but, back that far but, but let, goes far back as you can go well, let I me mean, let me just, just go with vanguard total world just the i mean total, go. vanguard yeah. total stock vanguard total because i'm betting that it's done better than just ten thousand to ten thousand dollars over the last 11 or 12 years but this is the kind of advice that helps people make really bad decisions and i really wish people like jim rogers would well, but you see, they'll never do Rotate that somewhere else. They'll never do that because Makes a great story. Well, yeah. because they're very popular in the press. They get a lot of press because they tell stories that the media wants to share. It's good for ratings. If you, scaring people is good for ratings. Now, let's see the Vanguard Total Stock Index Fund. Let's go back to two thousand nine. Um, and let's see. So that's, uh, 10,000 on the fly, by 10,000 invested. Then I got to do the math real quick. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm making, I'm doing this as I go. You're not making it up. I'm not making it up. It uh, going. yeah. It's, I'm doing it live <laughs> time divided by three is, uh, so 10,000 would be 60 some odd thousand today. 
Yeah. So, and again, there, the bet, if you will, is on a globally diversified portfolio of stocks. When you're betting on commodities, what you're really betting on is inflation in a lot of ways, because that's, that's what, all you're betting on, really. I mean, because the price of whatever goes up, right? Whatever yeah, that commodity and, people needs. And the other thing is, you have to remember, when you own the total stock market index in the U.S. or the total world stock index, you know, you own Archer Daniels Midland and Cargill and Nestle. And all of these companies, what are these companies own? Commodities. And they hedge commodities in a big way, too, that to, to helps their bottom line as well. So yeah, please very, don't, very poor don't pay attention to anybody who predicts the future, period. I know that they're saying what you're thinking. And a lot of people are thinking, we're in a bubble. You don't know we're in a bubble. You'll never know we're in a bubble. You'll never know in advance that we are in a bubble. The only time you will know we have been in a bubble is after the bubble busts. And the only time that really matters is if you are overexposed to stocks and you need the money within, I would say, five years. Otherwise, it does not matter, period. And you made, you made the best point of all. If you're in your 40s and you're putting money away regularly, you should be cheering on a bear market. You yeah. should be saying, hey, I want this thing to go down now. Because that's good for you. I know, but it's... It's just so emotionally, it is so very difficult for people as, to deal with that. As someone who's in his 60s, I am not cheering for it to go down. I want it to always stay here and go <laughs> this, a little I'm higher. I'm fine right where it is. A little, go higher, a little higher would be higher. great, but doesn't need a whole lot. So All right. I want, to give you, I want to give you a phone number, 855-935-TALK. Call that anytime with your questions or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. The other thing we would love for you to do is tell other folks about the podcast. You know it helps. You know we're telling the truth. You know we are. And that it is an uphill battle to try to take down all of these lies and myths and misinformation that are spewed forth from multi-billion dollar corporations. We're just little old Tom and Don sitting around talking real money. I'd be okay with little, old, not so much, but that's all right. That was the out cue. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?